0: All right, guys, well, we're going to go to the word in prayer now, um, and and then we're going to dive in Galatians chapter four. So if you could please um, pull that up, that would be awesome. Let's pray. Father, we love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We magnify your holy name. Lord, we ask that you would um, just be with us, Father, as we study the word of God. I pray, Lord, that you could uh, give us some, some awesome, awesome uh, spiritual knowledge that we can turn into uh, practical living for our lives. Father, I pray that lives are changed because of the word of God. I pray that you would be with me, Father God, that you would guide uh, my mind and my heart and give me the words, Father, to share to your people. So, Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Praise God. Welcome to the Bible study tonight at Mission Ebenezer Family Church, broadcasting straight to you from uh, my home right here in Long Beach, Um, In the book of Galatians chapter 4, where we're picking up today, um, I'm so thankful that I'm able to bring the word of God today. Pastor Traco was going to bring the word, but he had to stay late for football practice since the football season is starting up. Spring season here in uh, beautiful Southern California because of the pandemic. High school football has been pushed back. And so our Pastor Traco, who wears many caps, uh, contacted me earlier and said, Pastor, they Mess my whole schedule up. I got to be out here with the boys. And and so here we are, man. I'm ready to roll. Last week, I taught on Galatians chapter 3. And chapter 3 just continues right into chapter 4. So let us go to chapter 3. And let's begin in verse 26. It's at the very end of chapter 3. You're going to see that it rolls right into chapter 4. If you have a, a journal, if you have a notebook, grab your journal or your notebook. You might be able to follow along, take some notes. And um, track with us so that you can grab what God has for you. It says, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have been clothed yourselves with Christ. What it means right here when it says baptized, fully immersed. How many of you know that when you walk out of the doors of your house, you don't walk out naked. You walk out with clothes on and the clothes practically cover your whole body. If you went out last night when it was cold and windy and the storm was rolling in, getting ready to rain, you probably had a hood on like I did at my son's baseball practice over at Whaley Park in Long Beach. And it was it was pretty frigid out there. The boys were doing their thing, having a great time, running around on the field, playing a boys game. And um, and I tell you what, I was baptized in clothes, man. I was baptized from the head all the way down to my feet. I got home. My, my toes were cold as icicles last night. I crawled into bed uh, shortly after 10 p.m. and um, I said, "Baby girl, I am so sorry, but my feet are like my feet are like icicles up in here." And sure enough, I I stretched over and reached my my um, my cold toes on booming. She was like, "Oh, get your feet!" Plus, she hates toes. She she just she don't do toes. And so I got her good. I got her good. Uh, I was messing with her yesterday, but guess what? I was baptized from head. to to toes yesterday in my clothes um, when I went out into the cold. And that's what Paul's saying right here. He says, for those of you who were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. That means we are covered from head to toe. Baptism, baptizo, means that we are completely uh, immersed, completely submerged underwater, completely consumed. All right. That's what it means to be baptized. Okay. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Praise God. How many of you guys are um, sons of God, daughters of God? That means that you have put your trust in Jesus Christ. And because of it, you have become an heir of Abraham. That means you are a seed of Abraham. That That means you have become spiritual progeny of Abraham. You're one of Abraham's children. Um, There's a song that we used to sing growing up and, and it goes like this. Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's go marching. And then you would say on right foot, right foot, father Abraham. And then you'd go left foot, right foot, left foot, right arm, left arm, turn around, sit down. That's a really cool song. Um, That's the kind of song that you never forget. Praise God. Uh, It's a blessing. So here we go. You are a seed of Abraham. If in fact, you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is effectively the seed of Abraham. The faith that Abraham had in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, where it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, it's speaking of the faith that Abraham had in God. And the faith that he had in God really gives birth. The idea of faith gives birth in the very person of Jesus Christ. Let's go down right here to chapter 4 now and see what Paul has to say here in Galatians. It's a great theological treatise. A helpful thing for us to follow along. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave. Although he owns the whole estate, the child of the owner or the the child of, it says, uh, the primary is the one who owns the whole estate. But when he is a child, he's raised up just like everybody else, even the servants in the house, the slaves in the house, the kind of slavery that they had back there was a completely different type of slavery than the, the slavery that we dealt with here in the United States of America some 400 years ago as it pertains to the Africans and African-Americans or, or black slaves that our, 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 our ugly history um, here in America um, um, carries along with it. It's a different type of uh, uh, slavery that is spoken of here. He is subject to to guardians and trustees until the time is set by his father. Let's continue. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons, of sonship. Praise God. Because you're sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you're a son, God has made you also an heir. Praise the Lord. God has made you an heir. God has made me an heir of Father God himself, of Abba Father. um, And and through his son, Jesus Christ. Ah, Nice, nice, uh, good cup of joe right there. Formerly, when you did not know God, Paul says, I love how Paul's speaking right here he's like he's talking directly to us he's he's talking to a spiritual son he's talking to a spiritual daughter you know um, in chapter three we we see that he was he was giving them some tough love. how many of you know that the people that you know and you trust and um, and that are closest to you you give them tough love right those are the people that you can speak directly to those are the folks that you can be a little bit more honest you can show them your soft side. You're not afraid to let them see you without your makeup on in the morning. Praise God. <laughs> You're not afraid to let people come into your house and see what your house really looks like during the week um, when you, you have unannounced visitors. No, because you love them. You care for them. They're, cl- they're friends, they're family, and you really, really don't care. Right? But folks that aren't that close to you, guess what? You got to clean the house. You want to do this. You want to do that. You want to make sure you, you got everything done up. You put your face on. Put your makeup on. guys. You put your fresh clothes on, your fresh kicks on, but you know what, folks, that you really know, you could just be chilled, be who you are, and, and that's what it's all about. So Paul's talking to us like that, because he loves us, he cares us, he cares about the Galatians. But now that you're that you know God, or rather are known by God, praise God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable principles? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. He goes, man, was it all in vain? Did I waste my time teaching you the truth, showing you the way of God? And now you're going back to all this foolishness, going back to the the Jewish customs and Jewish traditions and all this other folk religion, all these other human kind of traditions that really have no bearing on a person's life, doesn't transform your mind, doesn't transform your heart, doesn't transform your life. There is no fruit that that can be bore in that type of situation. Paul's really speaking rhetorically here because he wants to see some change take place in the Galatians. Hey, by the way, you guys, if you're jumping on on the the video call tonight on our Bible study, God bless you and welcome to Galatians chapter 4. You want to hit share right there on your uh, share button. Feel free to comment right there in your comment and towards the end, we'll take some prayer requests Um, and make sure that um, we spend some time in prayer before we end, all right? Verse 12, I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You've done me no wrong, as you know. It was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Probably Paul was traveling, had to stop because of an issue that he was suffering through, and ended up staying a prolonged period of time there in Galatia. Now, as I said a couple of weeks ago, Galatia was not a city. Galatia was a a region. So it was a big, huge region. So when Paul is writing this book to the Galatians, he's writing to the people in that general region. And a lot of people that he got to know, probably because of the period and the amount of time that he stayed there in that area. All right. So he got a chance to, to know a lot of people, to share Jesus with a lot of folks. A lot of folks came to Jesus, and because of that, he wants to make sure that he writes directly to them, keeping them on the straight and narrow, keeping them on track. Look what it says. Verse 13, as you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. We're going to come back to verse 13. For those of you that like the details, you like to get lost in the weeds of things and it gives you greater understanding um, and for your enjoyment. We're going to come back to 13 right here and just a few, a, a few verses I think we made some connections, um, those of us that uh, study the Bible. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Wow, that's pretty impressive. What has happened to all your joy? He says, what has happened? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become an enemy by telling you the truth? So in verse 15, look what he says. He says, my illness, I know was a burden to you, but you did not care. You didn't treat me like I was a burden. He says, you loved me. You cared for me. You looked out for me. You ran errands for me. You did the things that I couldn't do. You went to the grocery store for me, right? How many of us took care of people during the pandemic, right? Especially the elderly, protecting them um, from being exposed to anything and all things. We made runs for those, right? Diane, you probably made runs for your mom, for Betty, right? Others of us made runs for our parents, um, maybe for our loved ones. You know, I know for me, especially during the heart of the pandemic early on, man, we're talking from March until like June, our family, we kind of huddled up right here. And I did the majority of leaving the house. You know, I mean, back then we didn't know a whole lot about the, the coronavirus, the, the COVID-19, right? So, I mean, I would leave the house, man. I, w- I was like a, I looked like a Martian going out, man. I had it covered up from like head to toe, gloves on mask, shield, like I look like a Martian going to the grocery store, you know, then I would come back home and I would have to take everything off. Right. I have to like sanitize it. Walk, go through like a sanitization, like car wash, body wash. And so, but check this out right here. Paul's like, you treated me with love. Paul says, you looked out for me. He says, instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Man, that's pretty awesome. That means that the Galatians were so thankful and so happy to have received Paul and his message about Jesus that they treated him with so much respect, so much honor, so much dignity. But I want to make this connection right here in verse 13 and 15. In verse 13, it says, as you know. It was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And then look what he says right here in verse 15. I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. What do you think he means right there? I think the illness that Paul was dealing with had something to do with his eyes. That he was struggling to see. You know? Maybe he had cataracts. Maybe he had glaucoma. Maybe Paul was a diabetic. Maybe Paul was born with the issue of some type of blindness. Because often we know that many of the people that wrote his letters were people that Paul was dictating to, right? Like Timothy and Theophilus um, and others. And it was it was uh, widely known that Paul often would speak and others would write down what Paul was, um, was writing. Let's continue. So I, I think right here when he says you would have given me your own eyes, I think what he's saying is his, the illness that he was struggling with had to do with his vision, his eyes. And because he was troubled with his eyesight or whatever the case may be, that they would have given their own eyes for him. So if in fact, it would have meant that Paul would have had a complete restoration of health. Are you following me? So that's something for us to to make note about Paul is that he probably had an issue with his eyesight. All right. Um, All right. Praise God. Let's continue. Verse 16, he says, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Remember what I said, those that are close to you, those that you love, those that you know really, really well, you can you can treat them like a brother, you can treat, treat them like a sister, you can give them a hard time, and you can be very truthful and very honest with them. That's something that's very, very crucial about Paul, is how much he loved people. I mean, when people did him wrong, he also took it really personally when people did him wrong. But nevertheless... Nobody could ever fault him for how much love he had for the people that he raised in Christ, for the people that he raised in the Word of God. Let's continue to read the chapter, and then I want to come back to some thoughts. Those people are jealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want to do is alienate you from us. He's saying those people, the Judaizers. Judaizers were, were Christians Christians who were saying you needed to abide by the Jewish laws and customs and traditions of the Old Testament in order to be right with God, even through Christ Jesus. So they were trying to they were straddling the fence. They weren't all in. And that wasn't right. Paul didn't like that because what Paul says is that when people were trying to put the works or the law of Moses of the Old Testament back onto this, these current day Christians, that Paul was speaking to there in Galatia, what happens was is it was completely nullifying the work of the cross of Jesus Christ. In other words, it was nullifying the blood that was shed by Jesus that provides the opportunity or provide that provides for us the access to God through the blood of Jesus, right? Um, and so that access that we have to God was made possible through Jesus Himself. So if Paul's saying, if, if these people, this group of people are going back to the old Jewish law, right, the, the ways of Moses, the ways of the Old Testament, what they're saying is that Jesus really doesn't mean anything and you don't need Jesus at all. So what is it? It's a s- slap in the face. It's a cachetada. It's like telling God, you know, God, we really didn't need you. I mean, excuse, excuse my, my uh, suggestion, but it's like giving God the finger. It's like telling God, thanks, but no thanks. I got this. I could do this on my own. I can save myself. All right. That's what, it, that's what it means. And so Paul is really zealous for that. Look what he says. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always and not just when I am with you. says, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. How I wish I could be with you and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. He was hot. He was heated. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman, Hagar, and the other by the free woman, Sarah. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way. That was Ishmael. But his son from the free woman was born as the result of a promise, and that was Isaac. Hagar, the servant woman, gave birth to Ishmael. And Isaac um, was the son of Sarah, who was also um, the wife of Abraham, the true wife, or the, the son of the heir, the son of the promise and the true seed. These things may be taken figuratively. For the women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. How now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the city of Jerusalem because she's in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free. The Jerusalem that is above. He's talking about the, the Jerusalem and Mount Sinai here on earth, on this earthly planet, is a false, um, it's a false inheritance. It's a, it's a falsity compared to heaven. And he said, that's why he says the Jerusalem Jerusalem from above, the new Jerusalem, it's by faith and not necessarily here by flesh but the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, O barren woman, who bears no children. Break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pain, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you brothers, like Isaac, are the children of promise. At that time, the son born in the ordinary way persecuted the son born by the power of the spirit. It is the same now. But what does the scripture say? I love how Paul always goes to the scripture. Get rid of the slave woman, according to Genesis, and her son, Ishmael. For the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. All right. So the thing is. Hey, God bless you, Annabelle. Great to have you on the call tonight. God bless you, Christina. Praise the Lord. Well, guess what, guys? The way Paul was speaking to them right here was someone like a father who speaks in truth to their children. All right, let me break it down for us tonight. As a father, my job is to speak the truth to my kids, Elisha, Judah, and Lola. My job is to get them prepared and ready for what's out there in the world. Now, if I coddle my children, and if I don't tell them the truth, if I don't point out the mistakes in their lives, if I don't correct them when they're wrong, and I just let them go on doing whatever they want. Let me use the analogy of sports. If I don't point out the, the things that my 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 kids are doing wrong in their sport, and then I say, Hey, you're doing great, keep it up. Oh, fantastic, son. When in fact they really are not doing very good at all. They really, they really, they really suck. Guess what? They're going to have this this um, misconceived notion or idea about themselves. They're going to go out out from this place from from my care into the world, compete, thinking that they're the stuff. And then guess what? They're going to have their backside handed to them on a platter. In other words, if I'm not truthful with my kid and say, hey, son, really, bro, you're like at this level, but the competition is up here. You need to work so that you get to this level. And these are the things that you need to do to get to that level. That's what I owe my sons or my daughter. That's I owe that to them to be truthful to them so that they know what it takes in order to get there. And Paul's doing the same thing. If we don't prepare our children for what they need to know and how they need to live and how they need to be, they will be worse off. Because of the fact that we coddled them. But Paul Paul did not want the Galatians to go on thinking that they were to just fall in line with the Judaizers. Paul didn't want to go on, watch this, thinking that they needed to espouse bad doctrine, bad theology. And guess what? There was a lot of people this last year during the pandemic that were spouting out bad doctrine, bad theology. Looping people in, trying to preach a a different gospel from the pulpit, trying to preach an an American gospel, trying to preach a political gospel, trying to preach a, a nationalistic gospel. But guess what? That's not what Christ has called us to. So sometimes we, people who are called by God, who have received the spirit of God, as Paul says right here, because you are sons. God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. Since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. So those who truly have the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit are not going to get swept away, you guys, with all this strange fire. People burning strange fire out there in the name of God or in the name of Jesus or trying to... Simply call people unto themselves just to garner a following, just to try and say things that tickle people's ears. But guess what? No, every now and then a pastor has got to come in like Paul, a spiritual father, and he has to tell the truth. He's got to say it and say it right to make sure that people don't get lost in the shuffle. So he must have had a really strong relationship with them, right? In chapter 3, last week, he says, you foolish Galatians. In Spanish, he says, Galatas Torpes. I taught the Spanish Bible study last week. He says, Torpes. He's like, he's like, you fool. He's like, hold up. Stop. Time out. I got a kick out of that one, man. I got a kick out of that one. So one of the things that I wanted to bring up is this. If we do not speak the truth, and guess what? There are lives at stake because ultimately when we speak the truth, truth gives birth to life and light gives birth to life. So when we speak the truth about God and about Jesus Christ, what's at stake is the salvation of others, the salvation of others, true repentance in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, a false doctrine going on out there that you know you can live however you want, you can um, do whatever you want. God's a god of love, which is true. God is a god of love, and Jesus represents love. Yes, that's true. But if you read the gospels, and I want to encourage I want to encourage all of you guys to go ahead and read the gospels, you'll see that Jesus is first message that he preached. You can go to the book of Mark, you can go to Matthew, Luke, John, Jesus preached a message of repentance. And the last time I checked, repentance was for the forgiveness of sins. And repentance means that we turn from our old way of life, the way of life in the world, and we turn the other way. We recognize, we confess our sins, and then now we move towards God. We move towards truth. We move towards Jesus Christ. So Jesus isn't just this God of love who is just going to come in and forgive all and just say, hey, keep living how you are living, Keep doing what you want, whatever makes you happy, whatever, you know, um, tickles your fancy, right? Whatever, whatever tickles your ears to make you feel good. All right. Let me talk about this for a moment. And guess what? You may be contemplating a certain way of life. You may be contemplating. Um, the different things in this world that Bible calls and just, just flat out calls sin. And what is sin? Sin is the thing that separates us from God. It's the thing that distances us from God. So when we are coming to Christ and when we share the love of God with somebody and that God forgives sins, we have to also Allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction into um, that person's life. And the Holy Spirit brings that conviction through the Word of God. But guess what? There's many Christians out here in the world that don't know the Word of God. They don't want to know the Word of God. That's the reason. That's the problem. They simply want to um, hear what they want to hear. They want to take what they, what they like, and get rid of what they don't like, and that is, um, not what God is calling us to do. Um, I see what what Yenny put right here. Everybody wants to validate their feelings. Exactly. People want to validate their feelings. People want to say, "Hey, whatever makes you feel happy, I will support you." No. Guess what? If somebody is choosing a life of sin, the support. That, that people are communicating is not the kind of support that says, hey, you know, I'm all for it. I'll, I'm, you know what? But I would say this. I'll love you. I'll love you in spite of. I'll love you because you're my, my brother, my sister. You're my daughter. You're my, you're my father. You're my mother. You're, you're my sister. I'll love you, and I'll always love you, and I'll never turn my back on you. But I have to let you know that what you're doing is wrong or the life that you're choosing is wrong, and God calls it wrong and God calls it sin and the Bible calls it sin. And so that's the truth right here that Paul is talking about. It's like having a faith in Jesus Christ but still mixing it with horoscopes. It's like saying I'm a Christian but opening up the pap- paper and wanting to go okay, Capricorn, what does it say about me today? If we're following along trying to what it says about Sagittarius or that's called folk religion man that's new age stuff and that's not the word of god we cannot we cannot be start blending different folklore different religions different beliefs into one there is no creative power or source in the universe that you're going to worship don't worship the sun don't worship the moon don't worship the stars don't worship nature don't worship creation don't worship yourself don't worship man don't worship woman don't worship your culture don't worship your nationality don't worship any don't worship sports don't idolize these things in the world that people are idolizing no we worship God and God alone follow Jesus and Jesus alone let the word of God speak to our hearts like Paul is saying right here so that our lives can bear fruit amen so that our lives can bear fruit so when we communicate truth you guys it saves lives It saves lives. It truly does. It saves lives. Asking the hard questions to people that you love can save their life. It can save their life. It can save their eternal life. It can save their salvation, even if that sounds a little funny. People that have once saved, that have invited Jesus to come into their life, that have trusted in Jesus, but guess what? are turning away from Jesus, turning their back on Jesus and no longer trusting in Jesus but trusting in themselves. Right? What does Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5 says? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. Who's him? God, through the word of God. Acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Other versions say he will make your paths straight. Right? Praise God. So I hope the word of God is is starting to form tonight. It's starting to build into something that we can we can touch and we can hold on to. Now, if truth brings life and life is converted into souls, right? Right, if the, the physical metaphor, if my daughter's running into the street. Right. My four year old, she runs into the street like the other day. We were going to Nordstrom Rack Monday on my day off. I had a couple of gift cards still for my birthday back in January. And I said, come on, Lola, come with me shopping. I'm going to I'm going to buy her some lip gloss or something right there at the checkout line. You know, they have all those little trinkets right there at at Nordstrom Rack. Y'all know what I'm talking about. All y'all sisters out there know what I'm talking about. I, I say sisters, and I know some of you brothers like to shop, too. I know my boy Will likes to shop, too, but but, but guess what? I looked around, man, in the Nordstrom Rack, and I was the only brother in there, man. I was the only guy. I am like, Lola, man, I'm the only daddy up, it, up in this piece right here. And she started cracking up, and she was trying to take all the lip gloss. She was trying to take all the goodie pens. She was like, Daddy, can I get that? Daddy, can I get that lip liner? Daddy, I said, not know. You're too little for that. You ain't grown yet, little one. Um, it was cool. I ended up buying her an $8 little can of lip gloss, man. Um, I don't know what I did. I must love her a whole lot. But anyway, we were walking across the street right there at, at Nordstrom Rack. We looked both ways, and right as we were crossing, guess what she did? She pulled her hand out of my hand, ran back across the parking lot, and luckily there was a, UP, uh, a FedEx truck that was right there. They were parked and everything like that, and there were no cars coming back and forth, thank God. But they know that cars try to come around them when they're parked, bringing in deliveries back and forth. As soon as she pulled her hand from mine and ran back across the parking lot, he hit the horn. And as soon as he hit the horn, guess what it did to Lola? She went, Whoa. she jumped and froze, and I went and scooped her up. I brought her into me. She was like, Whoa. She didn't say nothing. She was gasping for air. She held her breath. I got my Lola. I put her back on the ground. I walked into the store right there. I didn't care who was looking. I didn't care if DCFS was up in that piece. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I didn't care if Child Protection Services was up in there. Don't don't try to call no Child Protective Services on me now. Come on now. But I pulled over to the side right there at Northstrom Rack, and I said, Now, mija, you don't. And she looked at me, and I could see her eyes were as big as a basset hound, like that. And I could tell they were about to just droop and just start to cry. And I just gave her a little pop. Not hard, just right on her booty. It didn't need to be hard. She was already shaking up, but I wanted her to just, just a little tap on her behind. And she started crying. She just let loose. And She didn't cry because I tapped her on her butt. I want her to remember the little tap from my hand on her butt because I corrected her and I have to let her know the truth. She can't be pulling her hand from mine when we're walking across the street. She's going to get hurt. She could lose her life by doing something like that. Well, guess what? If we don't let people know the truth about Jesus, about sin, about their sin, about their lifestyle, about the way we choose to live, about our worldview, guess what? People can lose their salvation over it, man. It's life and death stuff. Life and death. Straight up. That's what it means. Truth saves lives. Spiritually and physically. Amen? Praise God. So we have to make sure that that we speak the truth to those that we love. Now, if we don't speak the truth... Get ready to reap the whirlwind. Get ready to reap the disaster and the destruction that will be caused because of it. Absolutely. The opposite is is also so. It's the case. Where there's absence of the truth, you have chaos. The absence of the truth, you have destruction. Where there's absence of the truth, you're going to have everything that is applicable to this case and this scenario. And so the faith that we're speaking about here in Galatians chapter um, 28, where it says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Well, guess what? The faith that one has in Jesus Christ Gives the whole world access to that salvation through Jesus Christ. I talked about it last week on, our, on the Spanish Bible study. And I said this. I said that if Abraham gave birth to the seed of faith, the seed of faith, go with me on this. Then the seed then was giving birth through the, through the lineage, through the line, through the promise of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It continues on through the children of Israel, whereas finally Israel gives birth to the Son of God, gives birth to Jesus through a woman, right? Through Mary. So the Jewish people produce the Messiah, produce Christ, produce Jesus. So, in other words, the law of Moses that was handed down and useful for a while, for a moment, served as an incubator. Developing in the womb of God and in the womb of the people of Israel, this this Christ, this Messiah, everything that Jesus is and everything that God is for the world, Jesus represents to us all. Boom. And that's why God wanted to use the Jews, not so that they would become an ethnocentric people, not an, an inward focused nation that was closed off to the world. But they, they needed to recognize that God wanted to use them to redeem the world. So we need to pray for Israel. We need to continue to pray for our Jewish brothers, that they would come to know Jesus and know that they are the root. They are the root. They were the womb, right? But they must first recognize that the faith of Abraham, that they both they both believe and, and that we believe, was in fact the same faith. In the seed of Jesus Christ that we have recognized as Messiah, not that there's going to be some other Messiah or some other Christ that's going to come at some other time. Now we're coming up upon uh, uh, we're coming upon Easter here in a few weeks. Can you believe it? It's right around the corner, where we celebrate the true Christ, the true Messiah, the Son of God, who is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He was a man, fully God and fully man. But guess what? Some people didn't recognize that Jesus is the Christ. And so they're still expecting some other Christ or some other Messiah. But we know that the Son of Man died, a sinner's death upon a cross, paid for your, your for your sins and mine and gave us access to the heart of God by that one man who died on a tree. And praise the Lord, that man who died on the tree is Jesus. So let me let me continue. Um if we see right here then the significance of faith and the faith that we have in Jesus Christ passed down from Abraham, our father of faith, biblically speaking, we see that when whenever a seed gives birth, all right? in a forest, did you know that it requires um, a major, major fire, And really extreme temperatures to break open the kernels of seeds that are buried and planted beneath the soil. And as soon as the seed gives life and cracks from the fire, boom, all you need is water. Just add water and boom. Now you have some more sequoia trees that start budding up. And I love when you go to Yosemite, you go to the Sequoia National Forest last summer, um, our our family um, traveled up to Yosemite, and when you go for your hikes up there, you can see where forest rangers and people that are taking care of the forest and um, the the reproduction of these trees, they actually have markings around these baby sequoias that are two, three, four, five, six feet. They're little little shorties, just barely starting to sprout and grow, but because they don't want them to get trampled on. They want to make sure everybody stays on the walking path there in Yosemite. But then they, they'll have a fencing around those baby trees so that nobody would get close. Nobody could uproot them. Nobody could transplant them. Nobody could dig them out. But so that they can remain um, as, as a true domestic um, and natural uh, trees of those forests. So that they germinate right there in their their native soil and give birth right there and bring forth life. Uh, life. And it, it's the same way. Whenever that seed is born, it gives birth to life. And that's what happened when Jesus Christ was born in man, that it gave birth to life. And I praise God for that. So finally, what I'd like to say um, about this this problem, this paradox that Paul is is talking about in Galatians chapter 4 between the faith of old and the faith of new. How do you hold the two in balance? Well, I'd like to proffer that we don't completely throw the baby out with the bath water. You give a baby a bath. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You drain the water, the dirty water, and you take the baby out. In other words, you take, you take what God wants you to keep and to hold on to that precious child, that precious baby, and you get rid of all the stuff that doesn't matter. So, so guess what? With regards to the law of Moses... There's a whole lot that's in the Old Testament that is from the law of Moses or the Torah. And not all of it is bad. Not all of it, a lot of it is good. We get the Ten Commandments from the law of Moses. Now, if you go and read the book of Exodus, which is part of the Torah, and, uh, and you read the commandments that, Mo- that God gave to Moses to give to the people, guess what? If you obeyed all of those Ten Commandments, you would be doing a good thing. By by, acknowledging and follow, following along with, with those laws that are in the Ten Commandments. So we're not saying the Ten Commandments are bad. And we're not saying that everything about the law of Moses is bad. No. But it's kind of like this. Understanding the things about the law of Moses which are in the word of God, in the Bible. If you read the Psalms, he often, David refers to the, the Word of God as the law, praise God, you'll see, you guys, that it's not hard to for us to want to obey God's Word, obey God's law. Ultimately, it is God's law. It, it doesn't become something that, that is hard for us to do because of how much we love God. So there's elements of the Old Testament and of the law of Moses That we still will follow because of how much we love Him. Because of how much we are thankful to God for what He has done for us. And guess what? God. Praise God. life. No. But it will make life a whole lot better by not committing adultery, by not committing murder, by not um, being covetous. By not using the, the Lord's name in vain, by not stealing, right, by uh, recognizing all of those great things. But guess what? It also said, "Thou shalt keep the Sabbath," right? And that's where you start splitting hairs, right? We know that the Pharisees and and those early um, New Testament followers of Christ they were struggling because the Pharisees who would keep the Sabbath, they were. Um, they were coming down hard on Jesus because Jesus was preaching and Jesus was healing people on the Sabbath, on the day of rest. And they considered Jesus healing the sick as work. So they said Jesus was breaking the law of Moses, whereby committing sin against God because he was giving people um, life and liberating them from the the old way, the old law. Instead, Jesus was directing them to a new and true relationship with God himself. So finally, we see here, I love what it says in verse 16 of chapter four, we're gonna start wrapping up right here. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? No, you don't become enemies of somebody when you tell them the truth and neither was Paul. It was out of love, right? He's saying, no, I'm like your spiritual father that I'm sharing with you these things about walking closely with Jesus, accepting and embracing the fact that we are heirs of Abraham, we are the seed of Abraham, we are the the heirs of of God Himself through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, um, I'm thankful for the freedom that I that I have in Christ Jesus. I am thankful that I am liberated from. Uh, The bondage of the law, um, you know, things like circumcision that for the Jews were like, that was like their sign. That was like their stamp. That was like their initiation, having to get circumcised. They were telling um, new Christians, you know, Gentile Christians that they had to get circumcised. That's crazy. That's to be a Christian, a true Christian. There's people out there that are. And now go with me on this. There's folks out there that are saying that Jesus is not the real name of the son of God. It's Yeshua. Well, we know in Hebrew, his name is Yeshua. But don't let people turn it into a doctrinal or a theological or a salvific issue or argument. You're not going to miss the boat. You're not going to miss the train. You're not going to miss the flight. If you call Jesus, Jesus, and you don't call him Yeshua. You're going to hear people try to start pushing all this new type of Christian teachings or doctrines. And um, they don't want to refer to to the Lord as Lord. Um, They only want to use the Old Testament words. Well, hey, guess what? If they want to use Old Testament words like Yeshua or Adonai um, and things like that, praise God, let them. But don't let anybody tell you that because you say the name of Jesus, or because you use the word Lord or anything like that, that you're somehow wrong or you're somehow false. Don't start buying into all that that um that type of doctrine that people people jump onto something new and then they they they, they feel like um, they have some kind of badge of honor or they have some kind of one up on people. It's kind of like speaking in tongues, you know. People get baptized in the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden they want to start making other people feel bad that don't. No. Speaking in tongues is a blessing. But it does, guess what? You don't have to speak in tongues to go to heaven. All you need to do is put your faith in Jesus Christ. Speaking in tongues is a blessing, and it is a useful tool for the believer. And it's something that I do believe God wants everybody to, to be able to have an experience and, and to be able to, to pray with. But guess what? It's not going to get you to heaven. Surely doesn't make you better than anybody else either. And neither will having some... Quote unquote, enlightened understanding of God or relationship of Jesus Christ or some new form or shape of Christianity. No, just stick to the word of God. Keep it simple. Let's keep following Jesus. Let's have our hearts and our lives restored to Jesus Christ. Let's be equipped to share the, the gospel of Jesus Christ with the world and let's go into the world impacting it for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen 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 well i told you i wanted to leave some time to uh lift up some prayer requests before we close tonight so i just wanted to see if you guys have any prayer requests that you want to pray for before we we end in a word of prayer hallelujah let's see here um Oh, I see my wife. I think she's uh, she was writing as Mission Ebenezer. She says, "I'm hearing this story for the first time." <laughs> yeah, that just happened uh, the other day. Let's see here. Praise God. Praise God. You got any prayer requests? I'm just scanning. Okay, Sister Stella. Sister Stella says, "Pray for my anxiety." Um, and my prayer and my family. Let's pray for Sister Stella, um, longtime member and family of Mission Ebenezer Family Church. Stella, God's just getting started with you and your family. Keep growing and walking with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we lift up Sister Stella right now. We pray that you would um, just give her uh, peace in her heart. Lord God, that she would be anxious for nothing, Lord, but she would truly learn to, to turn to you. Um, Father and I, I just I encourage Sister Stella to to continue to read the Word of God on her own because I know that for me, reading the Bible gives me peace, it soothes my soul, it's comforting, but it's also power, it's authority, and it's life when the Word of God goes down into the deepest parts of my life. And so Father, I lift up Stella right now. Um, Father, perfect love casts out all fear. so I pray that she's a recipient of perfect love right now. Also, Stella, let me uh, just pray this over you right now. Be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. It just means anything that you ask of God, um, with with prayer and supplication and in thanksgiving. Let your your request be made known unto God, that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. So I pray that with your heart you're thankful and you go to the Lord bringing all of your prayer requests, all of your worries, all of your, all of your burdens unto the Lord. The Bible also says um it says seek ye first the kingdom of God and, and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. And in that portion of Jesus' sermon on the mount in Matthew chapter 6, he's speaking to worry, he is speaking to anxiety, he is speaking to The problems and troubles of each day, he says, doesn't each day carry with it problems of its own? So what good does it us to worry about our problems of tomorrow? And so don't worry about anything. Everything is in God's hands, your life included, your family included. Don't worry. Don't stress about your children. Put them in God's hands. Your grandchildren, put them in God's hands. The best thing you can do, Stella, is raise them in the ways of God. The best thing you can do, Stella is bring your family to church. The best thing you can do is be at church on Sundays, be in the house of God. You got nothing to worry about. You don't got to worry about the COVID-19. The best thing you can do is be in the house of God, Stella, be in the word of God, be in the house of prayer, and God will begin to remove all of those anxieties from your life and build you up in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That is life for today for you, my dear sister. We're praying for Sister Diane Parra, who says, her mom is getting her, got her second vaccination today, so we thank the Lord. We cover Sister Betty right now in the name of Jesus, asking Father God that You would not allow her to suffer any uh, side effects, Father God. No fever, Father. No soreness, Father God. Uh, no wooziness, no dizziness, Father God. No fever, Lord God. We come against any uh, symptoms because of the the second round of her vaccination. We thank you for the vaccination. We thank you for modern medicine, Lord Jesus. And we combine and couple, Father God, science with faith, believing, Father God, that it's the ingenuity and the creativity of mankind. That is the gift that you have given to us. And so we thank you, Father, for the brilliant minds that you have given to us. Just let us not worship our mind and let us not worship science. Let us put all of our trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Will Rizzo says, He is asking for clarity and discernment. The Bible says that if any of you lacks wisdom, ask wisdom of God and he shall grant it to you according to the book of James. Hallelujah. The Bible also says in the the, the multitude of counselors, Brother Will, there is wisdom. There is discernment. Also, we read in um, the book of uh, Chronicles and Kings where Solomon um, is being really anointed by God. He has a dream. And in his dream, because he is overwhelmed by the weight of leading the people of God, leading the people of Israel as the third king of all of Israel. He was the third king. First it was Saul, then it was David, then it was David's son Solomon. He was so young, he was afraid to lead. And what he says was that in the middle of his dream, God came to him and he says, "Uh, Solomon, what is it that you ask of me? And Solomon, instead of asking for the riches and wealth of, of all the earth, he says, just give me wisdom and discernment um, because I am young um, and leading your people is such a, a large task. I need your wisdom. And God said, because you have asked for wisdom and discernment, I shall grant you all, all things as well. And so, Will, our prayer for you is that you seek God, his discernment, his wisdom, that you receive it in Jesus' name. Go to the word of God. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the gift of general discernment and general wisdom, which is one of the things that I believe that I've been blessed with. And I believe it's a gift from God and a gift from the Holy Spirit. And it's developed through a life of prayer. It's developed through a life of of observation, reflection, and trust in Jesus Christ and not in the things of man or the things of this world. Hallelujah. Hey, if you want to connect to our church, the great Mission Ebenezer Family Church, go to our website, www.missionebenezer.org. Hopefully one of you guys can write there in the comment box our website. You can also find all the details for our Nehemiah Project. We'll be sending an email shortly to everybody. If you didn't get the the packet this past Sunday at church, you can download the Nehemiah Project packet, the pledge card, pray about how you can contribute and be a part of us raising the full $100,000 that it's going to cost to to, uh, renovate and refurbish our worship center there at uh, 415 West Torrance Boulevard in Carson, California. Um, our five and a half acres, um, which we call our campus that is dedicated to the things of God. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great Wednesday night. I can't wait to see you next time. God bless.